0: Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 261 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have a small crew this week. Richard is away uh, for the next couple of weeks, but we do have... Content creator extraordinaire, Krim, <laughs> joining us today. Krim, uh, you survived jury duty on your birthday yesterday, and uh, and yeah. now we get to podcast. Yes,
1: and then and then I have to check back in later to see if I'm needed <laughs> again. So,
0: oh, so so we're sneaking in the podcast between your jury duties, which happened to fall on your birthday. Yep. Which that's got to be like the worst day to randomly have
1: jury. duty. Yeah, and like because like I have a trip later. You know, I can't go and reschedule it because what if they put it on the trip? right and stuff like that oh, so yeah. like i'm just scared to reschedule it and uh yeah so you know like uh, and it was either that or or do the podcast at jury duty which i don't think they would allow so
0: <laughs> no they they might not like yeah, that yeah <laughs> yeah
1: turns out they may not want that
0: uh well I I'm glad you survived for now. Uh and today we actually kinda got a lot to talk about. We have a few different topics. We're gonna start off with some unsanctioned news. Uh there's a new like pseudo unset, kinda like this unset box set that's coming out. So we got some information on that today. We're gonna talk a little bit about new developments in standard and then focus in on Pioneer thanks to uh Players Tour or like Pro Tour, Mythic Championships, whatever. They're called Players Tour now. Uh those are starting this weekend and going for the next two weekends. And we get a bunch of new decks featuring Theros beyond death cards. So talk about Pioneer, answer your fish mail. So that is the plan for the podcast today. Before we jump in to all these topics, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit. And if you've ever struggled trying to sell your magic cards, sorting them and all the time that takes, uh, Card Conduit's got you covered. They are the easiest way to sell magic cards. If you're looking to avoid all those hassles and the time of selling your cards, the new service from the folks at Card Hoarder will sort, grade and sell your magic cards. And once your shipment is processed, you'll receive the proceeds minus their fee. And right now you can get a 10% discount by going to cardconduit.com slash goldfish. So, Thank you to Card Conduit for supporting this show. And uh, with our sponsorship stuff out of the way, let's talk a little bit about Unstable. So uh Unstable is... Our latest unset it's not a true booster unset it's more like a box set but we got a few cards today the set itself releases february 29th so we're a little over a month away from it releasing i think that's like leap day or whatever which kind of plays into the joke grim yep. have you seen these uh these new cards from the unset
1: i have seen a few of them and there are definitely some things that i love uh like it from these unsets um like i mean there's alexander clamilton uh, and and <laughs> I mean, like, for those that, once again, do not know that the, these cards are not legal in standard or whatever. It's not like a, a – a, like, a, a, what, how easy is it again? Like, what's the easiest way to describe what sets these – or what formats these are legal in? Like, they're uh,
0: none. none,
1: right? Okay, cool. <laughs> cool, perfect. Uh, yeah, people have
0: been asking uh, – they are not even legal in commander, uh, at this point. So kind of they're, that's always a weird thing with unsets. Like I think they're fun and they're cool and I like them, but it's a little awkward when normally when we get spoilers, we like, Oh, we have a new card and we're going to break down like where it seeps play or maybe it'll see playing commander or whatever. Like you can't really do that with unset cards because they're just not legal anywhere, but. There are some cool cards. There's, there's a, a Beebles planeswalker, yep. Bob, Bevy of Beebles, and it makes a sweet Beevil token. And like past unsets, it's got some really sweet basic lands, kind of like uh, these, these full art lands that has like an interior border, sort of, which is really cool. So I think the land game is still on point, And that's always one of the, the big upsides of the unset, the other cool thing about this product is it 's not only new unset cards but they 're reprinting some older unset cards and you might be wondering, like, well, why do unset cards need reprinting? Some of them are, like, semi-expensive, especially for cards that aren't legal anywhere. They're up in, like, the five-ish dollar range. I don't know who wants them. Maybe you just want them in your collection. But if you're looking for uh, some of the old cards, like Johnny Combo Player and some of those <laughs> type of things, those are also also showing up in this set, which is sweet.
1: Yeah. Like, the, these unsets are a blast uh, when you play with friends, like wh- the last one. Like, you got to, like, draft, uh, like, and there were, like, squirrel decks, and they, of course, added more legendary squirrels that you could play. I Some of these I actually do wish they did make for competitive play. Like, if there were a squirrel tribal, that would be sweet. But, uh, like, yeah, like, it's just... So much fun. Uh, like as you'd mentioned, also the artwork is sweet on the lands, but, uh.
0: Yeah. The artwork's sweet on the lands. Uh, they're definitely fun cards. And if you're interested, like, check them out, see the spoilers. You'll probably at least get a laugh out of them. Yeah. Like, uh, I think that's the, the main goal of the unsets. So they have some good, like, punny names and uh, funny abilities. There seem like there's kind of a, a die rolling theme, uh, through the set again, which what would you think about that coming to actual, like, competitive magic, uh, Krim? Like, we have Coin flipping as a supported mechanic. Do you think the randomness of like die rolling mechanics is that going too far?
1: No, and I I, I think we're talking like about a card called Pippa Duchess of Dice, uh, which is three mana two in a green to tap it roll a six sided die it becomes a green die creature token with power and toughness <laughs> each equal to the its result and then th- uh, two in a blue tap Duchess and re roll any die like I I think. When we have something like we have Hactos already, right? We got Hactos. We have other things that are just also kind of a little, little wild, right? A little bit uh, on the random side, and you know, I I could totally see something like that eventually make its way into magic, right? Reroll any die. Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if someday you know, like it, the whole it becomes a green die creature token with power and toughness equal to the result. I see that being possible. I see that being very possible. Like every turn on your upkeep. Or whatever, re-roll the die, and then your creature's power is, you know, equal to its power, like the, the results, right?
0: Yeah, I I think that's possible too, and I think like it's maybe becoming more possible as more and more gameplay is played on arena and digitally, because those are the type of mechanics that games like Hearthstone can. Uh, implement really easily those like semi random mechanics like that in paper like could you make uh Pippa work in paper you definitely can like it's technically working in paper now even though it's not legal but it's a little clunky to like be constantly rolling dice uh but it's so smooth and easy on something like Arena so maybe as more stuff is played digitally maybe we'll see more of those mechanics enter the game because you can get away with a lot more uh in digital form i think yeah
1: and and like it like for those that are unaware there's a card called like Clark's thumb and, like, if I read to you what that did, it would seem like a meme, right? Yeah.
0: Yes. I, I actually know what this one does because I played it against the Odds deck with it. It, uh, thumb is a two mana legendary artifact. And, uh, if you would flip a coin, instead you get to flip two coins and pick the result that you want out of those two coins. Yep. And that is a
1: real <laughs> card, not a silver bordered card, not Kirk's other thumb. <laughs> uh, but, like, like, yeah, like Clark's thumb is a real card. So that's why something like coin flip does not seem off to me. Like, that's very possible. S-
0: someday something's going to come along and break Kirk's Thumb. Th- it's going to happen. You know, they're going to put some, like, busted coin flip card, and then there's going to be, like, legacy Kirk's Thumb yeah, combo. Oh,
1: oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or, or, like, yeah, the beginning of your upkeep, you flip a coin, and if it's, like, whatever result, <laughs> and if you get that result five times, you win the game. <laughs> like, yeah, like, then, then that'll be the realest thing ever. Uh,
0: anyway, uh any other unset thoughts before we move on to uh actual legal magic cards
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think that like i mean just try it out it's a great thing to play with friends especially uh maybe with some friends that are newer to magic to see the lighter side of magic this way there's i don't know it's not like edh and someone brings the most ridiculous deck and farms everybody that just started playing right like it's it's just like It's a fun thing to play with friends, so definitely check it out. And
0: that is, uh, yeah, one of the kind of cool things about Unsanctioned is rather than being a booster product, you're actually getting five 30-card decks. Uh, And the idea is that you shuffle two of those together, and then you have a 60-card deck, and then you can play against someone else who shuffled together two of the other decks. So it is kind of designed that you can play this right out of the box. It's not like you're getting a bunch of booster packs and trying to open stuff. You get these cards, you shuffle them together, you can play with them, so it has a little bit of, like... uh, odd, like, Game Nights feel or something. One of those products where if you buy this, you can just, like, play a game of Magic with what you get in the box and nothing else required, so that's kind of a neat idea, too. Something to, like, I don't know, leave sit on your shelf for when you have a board game night or something like that and play once in a while. Correct. Anyway, let's move on from the world of Silver Border to the world of Black Border, and we're going to talk about Pioneer in a minute, but first, uh we still have a new standard format. It's easy to forget. Technically, Theros Beyond Death released uh, a couple of days ago on Friday. It feels like it's been out for, like, a month already because right. it's been out on Arena and Magic Online, but it's technically a brand new set, so Crim, what's been going on in Standard in your experience with our new Theros Beyond Death cards?
1: There are a lot of new Theros cards already hitting the, the, the decks and stuff like that. And one of them, as we've seen, is Dream Trawler, kind of just running all over the place. Thassa's Intervention, uh, Omen of the Sea, a ton of the Uncommon Sagas, like... uh, Okay, the Birth of Miletus, but I, I keep calling it Miletus... Uh, because it's just easier to call it that even though it's not easier <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and like there's atri uh, oracle of half truths uh has been running around and doing work uh like it seems like the planeswalkers of this set were super underrated um and and like i mean like underrated especially for the like the mythic power that they are at right uh like yeah uh, treacherous blessing, Temerit calls the dead, sentinel's eyes. You know, like, there's, there's just so many cards running around right now. And even naturally, you know, Simic would pick up something like Uro and whatnot. But like, there's just so many cards from Theros hitting, uh, hitting standard, which is, which is great. Because when you think about the power level we've had at standard, the biggest concern I had with Theros going into this was how much of it actually sees play? Is this just going to be one of those things where like, you have to wait, like pretty much until the end of like standard's lifetime or its life in standard and then maybe one card gets picked out because the the last power level lo- like the power level of the last couple of sets we have war of the spark we have eldraine things like that it's just been like really really high right so it's 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 a concern and i mean i well i like the higher power level personally but it was a concern for if they decided to ever dial it back like imagine if oka were in the set and you could just like turn a god or something into like an elk you know what I mean? Oh, or, phew, like, and man, remember... Can
0: imagine? It's so good that, it, like, if Oko was still around, it definitely would have really put a damper on Theros Beyond Death. Like, yeah. having all these big, flashy, indestructible gods that just, like, oh, my three-mana Planeswalker, like, deals with them forever, again and again and again. Like, oh, I'm so glad that they banned that card.
1: But, I- exactly. Uh, and, and like, imagine, like, having to just, like, discard to Dream Trawler every to activation, <laughs> and then they just, like, also in response, I'll do something right now. So it's, like... Like, there's, there's just so much going on in the format and, but like, th- that's why I'm so happy about like Theros and where it's at.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, if you look at kind of what's going on in Standard, I haven't seen a whole lot of, uh, shake up in the, tip-top tier decks, I guess. Blue-White Control, I guess, has really had a resurgence, but that's always floating around. But I think, like, Jeskai Fires, Nissa, like, Salti, Simic, whatever, like, Green-Blue-X Ramp decks, Rakdos Aristocrats, those are still probably the top decks in the format. But as you mentioned, we have seen some very Therosy decks really make their mark already. Like, Mono Black Devotion is a thing. We've seen Mono White Heliod, like, Life Gain style decks. Like, sort of, I don't know, White Devotion almost, without any big finishers. We've seen a Resurgence in Mono Red thanks to uh, Annex, the random uncommon demigod, which is just like, that card is so good. I've played against it a few times recently and I've been, like, amazed at how powerful that card is in a red deck, especially since, uh, not only does it, like, give you protection from removal but the red decks are playing embercleave now and annex is who that is a scary creature to have uh, a embercleave on cuz it gets bigger for your devotion to red so it's a lot of like one shot kill stuff and then we have seen some like enchantment decks just starting to take off there's some like Ephemia decks running around there's been a little bit of success with like calix style decks more controlling enchantment decks so even though like the decks that were good in throne of elderain standard are still good in Theros Beyond Death standard. It's not like Jeskai Fires is all of a sudden bad or Rakdos Aristocrats. We are seeing already Theros Beyond Death cards in decks making their mark in the format, I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, like, I think one of the cooler ones is like, much like you had mentioned, there's like Calyx, right? Uh, I, I've, I've really had a good time and a, a good, re- and to like, to good results with it too. Uh, Abzan Enchantments, like Abzan Foretold with Calyx and all this other stuff. Splashing just pretty much for that. Vraska, uh the green that is. Splashing the green for like Kalix, Vraska, and maybe like Garrick and stuff like that. So uh but there's also like Orzov like I guess like an Orzov Auras deck that uses Hateful Eidolon, Ephemia, Starfield Mystic, Archon of Suns Grace. So like you're and, and like treacherous blessing and, and of course Elspeth Conquerors Death has been making a lot of like a lot of noise. Uh I've been seeing that get played pretty much everywhere. I've been playing it in EDH. I've also been playing it in Standard. Uh, you know, and, like, we've seen that card also do things in Pioneer. So, I, I, I'm i a fan of Theros, so.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, Theros has definitely been a success so far. Um Is there anything that is on kind of your watch list? Now that we're, I guess, like, two-plus weeks into the format since it released on Arena, is there anything on your watch list as potentially being too good in this format, or are we kind of in a place where we're not really worried about that uh, as far as standard is concerned?
1: Uh, so the cards that I think are too good are uh, Oko... <laughs> and 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 uh Veil of Summer veil of summer. Uh, <laughs> Once upon a time Once Upon a Time. Uh so please <laughs> works Marvel. Please don't <laughs> Carnage Tyrant and uh <laughs> please never take those off the ban list. <laughs> uh and but like right now, in all seriousness, I do think that a car that is legal uh is Nissa. I think Nissa's still very good. Nissa does things that are just like absolutely disgusting, downright disgusting. Can't let them untap, uh, like because I mean, if I don't kill it, then all my stuff's getting stolen, right? Like, like that's how the it's yeah. been playing out. Like, if oh, well, I'm glad that you you have all those like you have a few like wind conditions on board. It would be a shame if like I stole it all, right? Like, like that that's just how kind of how it's been and or like a gigantic crisis. So. Uh, Like, Gigantic Crisis, yes, that then means that I have to start playing uh whatever that Whirlwind Denial card. Yeah, I, I know, I know. I, I heard, but it, that card is not the greatest, but yeah, all right. So, like, I think right now Nyssa just is the best card in Standard, in my opinion. Right now it is the best card in Standard.
0: I, I actually agree with you. If I was going to pick the best card in Standard, I would say Nissa 2. I think uh, this came up a little bit. I was talking about it on Twitter, how... And this goes back and forth, and the meta is still shifting, but sometimes it feels like... A lot of standard decks are like, oh, you play Nissa, you play the Ram Spells, you play Crosses, and then you get to choose like your splash color and your flex cards that go around that. Yep. And you can like be Bant and play Teferi, or you can be teamer and play uh, whatever teamer decks are playing, like the elemental package or yeah. whatever. Like you get to choose uh, you get to choose your splash color, but the same the core is the same. However, uh, some people interpret that as me being like, oh, Nissa needs to be banned. I'm definitely not saying Nissa needs to be banned. I do think Nissa's the best card in Standard right now, and I think it's possible in the future we have that conversation, but I think at this point, I think it's premature to say that anything in Standard needs to be banned, because even though Nissa, I think, is the best card in Standard, you still do see a lot of different decks, and there are decks competing with it, and the set's still very new. It just released in paper on Friday, so I think very premature to think about bannings, but if you're building a deck in Standard, have a plan for Nissa, and have a plan for, like, killing it immediately, because that's the power of Nyssa, is all it takes is one turn, and it even though it doesn't technically win the game that huge crosses or that mass manipulation or agent of treachery or whatever like that really does put the game away for the most part even though it continues for a few turns after that so you got to be able to deal with it immediately
1: yeah like i i I mean i don't know i i i could see like yeah if there's a card to get banned in standard it's nissa right but yeah like you had mentioned it's not it's way too early uh but like the the thing i have noticed is like playing against the simic deck does feel like, like, I'm playing my standard deck, and you're playing, like, your modern deck. Like, if it, you know <laughs> what I mean? It's like, that's what it feels like to me. Because, like, imagine, there's also a timeline where Oko didn't get banned, Once Upon a Time <laughs> didn't get banned, and and yeah. all of this is it with, like, Uro, and, and, and <laughs> all that's this... That's, like,
0: the mind-blowing part is, like, Wizards doesn't design cards thinking they're going to have to ban them in standard like that's never the goal i don't think so th- that means at one point when they were like designing these cards they actually were expecting standard to have <laughs> uro and nissa and once upon a time and oko and gilded Goose, all those cards together and it was just yeah. like that was going to be a deck like <laughs> it, it's kind of mind-blowing to think about how good simic would be if they didn't have like three cards banned from it
1: <laughs> yeah and like it's still at the top of the food chain like th- imagine going like oh cool i guess i'll play here Precinct one. Okay, cool. I'm gonna play Nyssa. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> or, or or something. Just like some embarrassing like like line of play. Like, cool. I play a land. Pass. All right, cool. I play Nyssa. and i because by now I've already got like seventeen thousand mana, right? Like, or or playing Atris and then they just laugh at you hysterically as they go like gigantic <laughs> Crasis. Like, dude, I'll give you a, an all. Like, I'll give you a three card pile. I don't care. Here you go, Crasis for a hundred.
0: <laughs> I. I do think that, uh, Uro has been a really big addition to those decks. Like, that's something I've noticed is, uh, it's really hard to, actually run those decks out of action in part thanks to Uro just hanging out in the graveyard. Yep. Uh So even if you can like wrath their board, even if you can like planter cleansing their board and get rid of like literally everything, there's always this 6-6 six, six that's gonna start drawing more cards ready right, to come back from the graveyard so it puts you this really, it's so awkward. Like Cavalier of Thorns does that too. <laughs> Your opponent like plays Cavalier of Thorns and you're like, oh man, I, like I gotta kill this if I have any chance of winning the game but if I kill that then they like put their crosses back yeah, on yep. top of their deck <laughs> <laughs> and draw 20 cards. Like, what do I possibly do? Or they get back their mass manipulation yep, and steal yep. my board. Like, so, so, so yeah, the Civic deck is definitely very, very strong. That is, uh, that is for sure. But I'm hopeful maybe we'll figure out a way to, uh, compete with it. I've been personally working on like discard heavy decks and having some success. Like, I think, uh, Agonizing Remorse is really good. Oh, yeah. Also, Thought Erasure is really good. If you play like six to eight main deck, like, uh, unconditional discard spells and back that up with like, uh, whatever card draw and, you know, good uh, kind of, like, Demir Esper control stuff. I think that's a pretty effective strategy, especially with Agonizing Remorse being able to snag Rose and so forth out of the graveyard, too, or, like, a Crossist uh, or a uh, Cavalier target out of the graveyard.
1: Yep. I, I've been a huge fan of playing Kaya, her like, the Orzhov Serper. Uh, she's been... She's got a lot of uh, played in this format because of all the escape cards. Uh, she's very good against the cat combo deck, being able to exile the Oven. Uh, mono black aggro, getting rid of gutter bones and things like that, whatever, rakdos, aristocrats, whichever your choice. And of course, like getting rid of woe strider.
0: Yeah. Also, uh, with mono red kind of making a comeback over the last few days, that's another matchup where Kaya is like pretty legit because there's a lot of one drops and the life gain is reasonable. Yeah.
1: Oh man, what a time to be alive where I'm just like, huh, <laughs> oh, it's what, a, what a refreshing thing to see. Mono red is good. <laughs> like mono red is back. And, and and like I don't know what its like best matchups are, but like the thing here is it's here. And I mean I'm I'm excited uh because like that just adds another deck into the meta. So standard like is actually quite diverse. It's just you know, unfortunate that one of the decks is just like a modern deck.
0: yeah that is we haven't we definitely have not reached a point like we did with oko where 70 percent of the meta is like playing oko decks and that's like the only deck you can play like i think the nissa decks are probably the best decks in the format, but there still are a lot of decks that are able to, uh, if you get a good draw, if you build around it, whatever, you can compete with that. So there is still diversity in the format. So I, th- I think we're okay for now. It'll be interesting. I think uh, there's a SCG tournament this weekend that's going to feature standards, so we'll get our first look at kind of like big paper standard tournaments. So uh, we'll see what happens, because we really haven't had uh, like high-level tournament results yet. We have some like scattered moto results from leagues. We have people who like post their Mythic lists from Arena, but we don't have those paper tournaments to point to yet, so I think that'll uh, determine a lot about the future of Standard once we start getting those lists. Agreed. Agreed. Speaking of big tournaments, uh, this weekend... Kicks off uh, a couple of things. Our first Players Tour event. Players Tour is like the replacement for Mythic Championships, which were the replacement for Pro Tours. So, think <laughs> of it. They're, they're PTs. PTs are yeah. back. We have a PT this weekend. Uh, and it's featuring Pioneer, which I think is the most exciting part about this. So, this is a tabletop event, not an arena event. But this is our first... Pro tour level, PT level, pioneer tournament. And I'm pretty hyped for it. Uh, Krim, what are your, where are you at with these tournaments this weekend? Uh, are you looking forward to the players tour pioneer tournaments?
1: I am through the roof right now excited for pioneer. Uh, I mean, I love the format itself. I think the format is perfect. It is like right now. It's perfect. Uh, it is the most fun format of magic. Uh, like, I mean, outside of like EDH and stuff, but, uh, like, like it is. I I haven't been this pumped, uh, for like you know what I mean like like to like watch just just sit there and watch and see what comes out of like this this tournament because I love Pioneer now and one of the things here is like remember when Modern was just around and everyone loved Modern and then when it went from like just like everybody's love format where everybody just played these brews and then it became like a Pro Tour format, uh, you know like that was when like modern got broken i guess a little bit and people like figured out what like was the absolute most disgusting thing to do so right now i'm excited to see what comes out of this right will it be the same will pioneer follow modern's footsteps will there be something that we overlooked um and like will it just be like hey i don't know 64 people show up and 64 of them are on mono black aggro Right. Like you know what I mean? Like we'll, we'll see if that's the case or whatnot and see what happens, what uh what the pros bring to the scene of modern and now that it is a thing that they have to do for the pro tour.
0: Yeah, I think that is that is part of the reason I'm so hyped for this is uh having tournaments for like a fresh meta game when there's a standard rotation or a new set. That's exciting. But this is our first pro tour for a brand new format. And Pioneer, yes, it's been on Moto for a little while. There's been a couple of like uh, smaller paper events, but we have not seen a pro level tournament for it. And we just got a new set. And a lot of the pros, if you follow them on social media, a decent amount were like, I've had to focus on standard. I haven't even really played Pioneer. This was like a, a month or two ago, but I'm going to be like focusing on it heavily, leaving up to the players tour events. So I have a lot of hope that we're not just going to see, oh, 64 players or whatever. I think it's actually a couple hundred at each event or something. But uh, everyone playing Mono Black Aggro or Niv to Light is another, like, one of the top decks right now. The five-color Niv deck. I think we're going to see some different things. Uh, I'm very excited for the possibility uh, that there there maybe there is something broken lurking out there. Or even the decks that people have been talking about being broken heliod decks there's these new like interv- storm style decks with underworld breach inverter combo inverter of Truth, yep. with Bosses oracle like uh, these decks are like just now becoming known but it's going to be a whole different ball game when you have these decks being like tuned and played and designed by pros because they might find something that you know the the random 50 lists have missed and so worst case we should get like close to optimal versions of some of these decks showing up uh, over the next couple weekends yeah
1: and like that that's that's another concern also like uh, a few a few friend, a, a friends and I talked about it and it was about uh, you know how they the they don't want two card combos right so like is is that gonna be consistent all the way through because then inverter of truth kind of is like a two card combo right
0: I mean, so is Helion, right. for that matter. Right. So like, It'll...
1: is that something to watch out for in Pioneer?
0: I think, I think so. I fully, like, so we've moved away from the weekly BNR for Pioneer, but I fully expect based on the results of the players tour uh, events over the next two weekends, I fully expect that there could definitely be more bannings as a result. I, I don't think we're out of the woods for bannings. If you go back to Modern, Modern started with a pretty big ban list uh, before there were even tournaments. They went and did the first Pro Tour for Modern, and there was a, a whole bunch of bannings that came out of it with decks that were pretty dominant. Like, Cloud Post was legal, Blazing Shoal was legal. Uh, those are decks that kind of like dominated or did really well at the first Pro Tour and got banned as a result. So So I think this Pro Tour, Players Tour, is going to show us a lot about those decks. If we come out of it with, like, Inverter Combo, Heliod Walking Ballista, if those decks are uh, kind of dominating the meta in the best decks in the format after these events, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they were uh, on the table for a banning.
1: Yeah, like... Because, I mean, like, are they going to keep it consistent? Because they didn't like Cat and Sahili, right? Uh, Fellator, Guardian, and sahili that's a two-card combo. So, I mean...
0: I will say... I played Inverter last night for the stream. It's not really Kessiel. It, it's like Healy, but Healy where you give yourself a heart attack every time you cast <laughs> Inverter because if something goes wrong you just kill yourself. Yep, so yep. so it is oh there is a little bit more risk involved when you're just like yolo I'm going to exile my deck. Please don't <laughs> thas this thas oracle.
1: <laughs> yeah, like that's of course the biggest concern with uh the the Inverter of Truth combo, right? But it is, it is a thing, right? Like, will that be on there? Will eventually the, the Ballista get the axe is the thing I'm wondering. And is this if, – if, if these cards are going to get it, it's going to be probably something because of something uh, coming out of, like, this tournament or these players' tours. If like, yeah. if everyone is just on inverter of truth combo or something like that.
0: Yeah. I think that's definitely possible that, that some of those combos, if they dominate the metagame, could be getting banned in the pretty near future. So, and that's the other thing I'm really excited about is I think we are going to see new things. Yeah. Like, sure, we're going to see mono black aggro. Sure, we're going to see Niv and like, blue white control, chunky red or whatever. Like those decks, some players will play those decks and, and they'll be good. Those are kind of like the top of the metagame right now, but I have full confidence that we're we're going to see some pretty crazy stuff going on over the next two weekends with some wild brews featuring new Theros Beyond Death cards and just maybe some stuff that was lurking beneath the surface. Like, I always go back to like Amulet Titan yeah. in modern and how, like, literally that entire combo was in the format for like five years and no one figured it out. It took like, the card pools just so big. No one like put the pieces together. And then all of a sudden, someone was like, oh, wow. And then you have the best deck in modern and all the pieces <laughs> were there for anyone to find. So, I think that with pioneer being so new i think that same thing could happen at this tournament or one of the uh players tour tournaments where people just find the pieces and put them together that everyone had been missing so far yeah
1: definitely i could totally see something just coming out of this that it like you know we all overlooked real easily uh and and that's why i'm excited for this players tour because now we find out how, how how far we can push the limits of this format what what is yeah. uh what is broken, like truly broken.
0: Yeah. And I, I know I've heard some pros. Uh, I think Siggy was talking about it in specific, saying that like the goal for the tournament, for him, and it should be the goal for other pros, is to get something banned. Like, that that's what you want to do with this tournament, is to make a deck that's so good that they have to ban something out of it. Uh, So, I'm super excited for it. We've had so many recent Mythic Championships where it's, like, it's standard six or eight weeks after a set release, and we know the meta, and you get to see high-level magic, and they're fine, but this gives me this feeling of uh, some of the old Pro Tours, when they happen right after a set release, where you have that in the back of your head, like, man, we might see something that we've never seen before. Like there yeah. is a legit chance that someone's gonna figure out something brand new and we're gonna see something crazy happen. Which just like hasn't happened with the the standard pro tours that are, you know, so far after the set release that the metagame's kind of known. It's really hard for there to be a rogue deck breakout after so many people have played so many games in the format, but that is very possible over the next two weekends at these events. Correct.
1: Like yeah, like just just like you had mentioned, uh yeah, just there's so many events, so much coverage that I don't think that it could happen in standard. But the card pool of Pioneer definitely could make that happen, right? Like, card pool of Pioneer, I, I mean, I'd, just, once again, forgotten how long it's been since RTR. So... <laughs> There's a lot of things that could happen.
0: Yeah. And, uh, should point out, speaking of coverage, there is coverage of all the Players Tours events. They confirmed it yesterday. So, uh, there will be full coverage of the European, uh, Players Tour event this weekend with delayed coverage, uh, happening afterwards of the Japanese Players Tour event. And then next weekend is the North American Pro Tour event. That's going to have full coverage. So, Friday through Sunday, uh, the next two weekends, twitch.tv slash Magic, Pioneer on the big stage for the first time. So, uh, I got my weekend pretty much planned, I think. Uh, gonna be watching lots of Pioneer.
1: Same, same.
0: So, uh, before we move on and answer Fishmail, I wanted to ask you, Cram, about just a handful of new Pioneer decks. Uh, we've mentioned some of them, like, kind of in, in passing as we've been talking about the format, but there's a few decks in specific which have kind of become things based on Theros Beyond Death. So, uh, and I, w- I want your opinion on how legitimate these decks are. Are these decks that we should expect to uh, develop into top-tier decks, even bannable decks in some cases? Or is this a case of people trying new things, you get good matchups, you have 5-0 League, your list is out there, everyone's hyped about it, but then they kind of fade away as people learn how to play against them. So, list number one, Heliod Combo. Uh, Heliod Walking Blister. So far, I've seen like 5 different versions of this deck. There's like collected company versions, there's three color versions, there's mono white, life gain, style soul sister versions. What has your experience been with this combo in Pioneer Grim?
1: So in Pioneer playing against this it just feels like okay, like like they just sit there. They can still go wide, right? They go wide. They if you're playing a slow dirtily deck like something like I would play, right? Like something that uh that just tries to one for one for days. They sit there, they just wait till you tap out, and they just, like, you know, like, or like to clear or deal with the board, and then they just go off with Ballista. And then they just win that way. Uh, cause the figures, it plays just like a mid-range deck, a Celestia, like kind of like mid-range deck that could also go wide with a bunch of little two drops, and, and then it, it waits, its late game plan is just to win off walking Ballista. So it can definitely grind. Um, it is one of the more, Concerning things that we talked about already, you know, like as you and I already felt like something's going to happen with Heliod, and we were talking about it. And I guess if 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 everything continues the way it does, then I, I think Ballista is going to have to get get put on the chopping block. I'm not going to lie to you, because I don't think I think I don't think Heliod's going to get it.
0: No, I I would be surprised if uh, Heliod was in the conversation if it did come down to that. I think Ballista is definitely in this combo is very near the top of my watch list for yeah. this weekend. Uh, is this something that actually puts a bunch of players in the top 8 of these tournaments? Uh What percentage of the metagame is? Because it is definitely a scary combo, and if you look at the, the list people are using, they are reasonable deck lists. It's not like some horrible combo deck, where if you don't draw your uh, Walking Blister or your Heliod, your deck does nothing. They got lots of ways to like find their pieces, Militia Buglers and such. They have like ways to get a counter on Ballista, so you can just kind of luck into a turn 4 kill or whatever if you have the nut draw and your opponent taps out. Uh, So I think these decks look pretty legitimate and uh, I would not be surprised if this combo was kind of a one of the the staples of these players tour tournaments. Yeah,
1: and like these decks are packing cards like all side of life's bounty to give it uh, like the ballista protection from a color or selfless spirit to keep it indestructible. So it's not as simple as just, oh, I'll kill it.
0: Deck number two, Krim. Speaking of combos, that, uh, not necessarily as... <laughs> As easy as oh, I'll well, kill it. Inverter of Truth combo. <laughs> so Inverter Truth combo. If you're not familiar with this one, basically the most common versions I've seen so far are essentially blue-black control decks. And all you're trying to do, dig through your deck, you find Inverter of Truth. Inverter Truth, uh, when it comes into play, you basically swap your library with your graveyard, and your library goes into exile. So if you have no cards in your graveyard, you just exile your entire deck. Then you play Faust's Oracle, you win the game. If you got cards in your graveyard, you got delve cards like Dig through time murderous cut to keep your graveyard empty and set up the combo so in theory this can win really quickly uh on the other hand i played this deck a little bit and things can definitely go wrong Uh if you exile your entire deck and your opponent has interaction you have to play <laughs> very carefully uh to set up the combo what have you uh seen with this one crim
1: okay so i myself have not run into this deck right like i haven't played against it but i have like just like kind of like messed around with it like it like just like through like just like some casual play over the tabletop stuff right uh and (laughs) the deck yeah like it is a control deck it just sits there it controls the game long enough uh and then it just tries to win like you had mentioned (laughs) and (laughs) i think it's a little like we did talk about it earlier in the episode uh and it is kind of like a two-card combo but at the same time It, like you had mentioned, I do feel like it is a little bit scarier to play, right? Like, it's like, (laughs) all right, cool. All my, like, all the answers that I need are in my hand, or I hope they are. And if they aren't, and they interact in some way, shape, or form, I'm super duper dead. So, like, (laughs) yes, like that is, that is, it is a thrill. It is a thrill, but I can also (laughs) imagine a world where this is just, it's, it's a very easy thing to assemble, right? Like it's a very easy thing to assemble, and it's very easy to just sit there and be like, okay, cool. I'm gonna thought seize whatever answer you have, and then now I'm gonna play Jace, and like, and then and then I'm gonna just mill myself again, and then play Thassa's Oracle after. Like.
0: Yeah, and you are built to protect your combo with thought seizes and thought erasers yeah. and some counter spells and a bunch of, like, cantrips to dig through your deck and find your pieces. So it's not like you're just, like, running it out there in the blind and being like, oh, I hope nothing goes wrong. Yeah. But uh, you are, like, built around protecting it. What do you think about this one from a competitive perspective? I think we both were in agreement that we're probably going to be sealing Heliad Walking Blitz to, uh, at the Players Tour events. Do you think this is going to be something that players bring to these tournaments, uh, the next couple of weekends
1: i think it's there is a very real chance that you'll see this the first weekend uh and depending on how it does the first weekend will determine if it comes back because it is it is gimmicky right like it is a gimmick like it's it's got something like that you like once you know like w- what if i just play i don't know i know this sounds ridiculous but like unmoored ego or, or lost legacy and i just now know that i could just name Thassa's oracle and you can't win yeah
0: yeah, that that is also uh, something that could happen. So it, it, it does seem hateable, I would say. But I do think we probably will see some people play it. I know, like, Canister's been playing it on his stream a lot. So I wouldn't be surprised if some people show up with it at the event. Va- I wouldn't even be surprised if it did pretty well in the hands of certain people uh at the players' tour Canister. events. But it does feel like it, <laughs> yeah, it is. But yeah, 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 probably Canister. But it also does feel like a deck that if this did become, like, Tier 1 in the meta, I think you can hate this deck out e- more easily than, like, the Heliod combo decks, because unlike the Heliod decks, which we were talking about, which have, like, a legit go-wide fair game plan, uh, this doesn't really have a backup plan for the most part. Like, uh, not a very legitimate backup plan other than winning with the combo. And, like,
1: like part of me is just like, hey, I'd let the inverter of truth resolve (laughs) (laughs) just so I can make... And then just try to make sure I don't let the Thassa's Oracle resolve. (laughs) (laughs) And this way I get easy wins, right? Like...
0: Uh, Alright, deck number three I wanted to mention. Uh, this is another Thassa's Oracle deck. Thassa's Oracle, really shaking things up across formats. This is the Underworld Breach combo deck. Basically, uh, if you remember the Lotus Field combo yep. decks in Pioneer, this is kind of a similar shell, except the idea is, you stick a Chronic Flooding on your Lotus Field, which is this weird enchantment that when you tap your land, you mill for three, and that allows you, with Underworld Breach, to essentially go infinite, with the help of Hidden Stirrings, which you cast for two mana to untap two things, which are going to be your lands in this case. So basically, you mill your entire deck, you make a bunch of mana, you keep escaping the hidden strings from the graveyard, then you Thassa's Oracle to win the game. Uh, what do you think about this one, Grim? We've talked about two other, like, kind of degenerate combo decks. Where does this one fall on that scale? Is this something to be concerned about? Is it just like a janky, weird deck? Uh, what do you think this about it? This
1: is most certainly a deck that I would say, uh, this feels more real than the blue-black inverter deck, in my opinion. Um... I mean, we've already seen, like, the Lotus Field decks do well, except now it doesn't need to, uh, play, like, I don't know, Forfeit of Wishes or something like that, right? It just has the build, it just has Thassa's Oracle or Jace and will win the game that way. Um, because, like, I think Underworld Breach really just, like, sends this deck over the top and allows you to, like, get the consistency you're looking for, like you had mentioned, through casting Hidden Strings a hundred times uh and then chronic flooding easily just loads up your yard so you easily mill your deck and spin through your deck while refilling and getting your escape like casting these cards again for your escape cost is amazing so i think this deck is very real uh, i think this deck is like hilarious uh i mean maybe it's hilarious now until i lose to it enough times uh but <laughs> but yeah like it's it's a deck like this that has made me thoroughly enjoy uh the the we had talked about earlier the farika spell that makes people sacrifice enchantments or a creature oh, uh,
0: yeah farika's libation yeah I think, so yeah. like
1: farika's whatever so they because like believe it or not their chronic flooding getting sacked is pretty huge uh and of course you also know that H- hidden strings is sorcery uh and like underworld breach does not let it get around the card's normal like type right, or whatever, sorcery, or whatever. So you can respond, and then try to make them sack the Underworld Breach.
0: Yes, I think that is a a good way to deal with it. Also... Uh, depending on the exact build, Graveyard Hate is very good. Graveyard Hate does shut down the main combo. I know I played against the deck a couple times yesterday, and people, especially after a sideboard, have a plan for that, like uh, bringing in Nivs, for example, the Uncounterable Niv, bringing in other ways of winning that uh, don't care about the graveyard. So in Game 1, the deck is pretty much all in on the graveyard, but then it does have plans in Game 2 or Game 3. I actually think this might be the deck that might be the scariest, I think, going into these players' tour. If there's one deck that I could see... Just being literally broken and like do- absolutely dominating the metagame. I think I would pick this one over Heliod or Inverter of Truce because Lotus Field, because it's a land, it dodges so much of the normal interaction against Heliod, against Inverter, Thought Seas, uh, Counter Spells. Those cards are great. Lotus Field as a land gets around all of that. So if there's one deck that just w- could break the metagame, uh, at these players tours, I think this would be the one that I would yeah, pick.
1: Yeah. Th- this is definitely the deck that I-, I would pick to also break the meta. Like this, this deck is, very powerful and it's very like you know consistent so like if you're lucky maybe they don't get a lotus field early because they don't play like the old versions before played like sylvan scrying to find the, the land right Um, and, and like yeah. uh, thesbian stage and stuff like that so but like this one doesn't play that so you may get lucky and if they don't have the lotus field early you can like maybe unword ego or and or like disrupt them enough Um, and like I've I've been seeing things like you know like yeah like you'd mentioned graveyard hate or maybe even like hushbringer to like stop this and like Cam Ball is great against this deck.
0: Oh yes, uh damping's fear is great, uh kemble's great, shutting down thassa's oracle into the battlefield, uh that one is also great. So there are there are some ways to hate on it. It'll be interesting to see if uh, the pros are expecting this deck to be a big enough a part of the metagame that they actually pack hate cards for it because you can hate it out. The hard thing is the hate cards for this deck are mostly hate cards that are not great in other matchups. So if you commit a lot of your sideboard to beating this deck, you can beat it, but then you're gonna be like giving up points in other matchups. Yeah, I think.
1: sometimes that may just be the line you have to take if this deck gets popular <laughs> enough.
0: All right, one one more deck, and then we're gonna move on to fishmail. And I think this is one that you uh you mentioned maybe you had been interested in playing Grimm, which is uh, kind of the doom foretold Starfield of Nyx. Saga treacherous blessing grind him out like enchantment control deck uh, this is a deck that had been around before theros beyond Death, but really theros beyond death, adding uh the birth of Meletus, adding uh, treacherous blessing, some other new pieces has really given this deck I think some new life, a new interest in the format. What do you think about the about the doom foretold deck?
1: I love doom foretold right now in pioneer uh the These decks are hilariously fun they're just a blast and it's it's tap out control. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I threw in a few Ashiok's erasures for fun, but, <laughs> like, I, I like there's the black-white variants. So you have the Orzhov version. Uh, then you have the blue, like, the version that adds blue for, like, Teferi, Dance of the Mance, Supreme Verdict. Then you get Omen of the Sea, Oath of Jace. You get Search for Iskanta. So, it's, it's your choice. You could play that, or you just play the straight up Orzhov version. And these decks can grind very well. Um, the, like, it, <laughs> talking about making your opponent sacrifice their enchantments you can definitely do that with like doom foretold and then just out of nowhere just win with starfield of nyx
0: yeah and uh, the starfield of nyx grind is pretty sweet as well just uh, getting back your sagas getting back stuff that you sack to doom foretold uh y- the late game inevitability of these decks is is pretty absurd like uh, i've played them in the past before theros beyond death and the the problem i always ran into is uh they can be slow if your opponent plays a fast deck, you don't hit your wrath on time you can just get run over before your engine gets going but i think the birth of meletus goes a long way towards fixing that uh because that's just such an insane roadblock against aggro and it works with the theme of the deck and you can get it back so uh, this deck is this something that you're expecting to show up at the players tours crim or is this more like uh, Seth sething crim like making content with it <laughs> but it's not really competitive or is this like a, a players tour level deck i think it?
1: this is definitely a players level uh players tour level uh, of deck, I mean, you have something for a like an aggro deck, right? Uh, and and like, what, what's the most like? I guess like the the most aggressive deck I would say is probably mono black. And you have
0: mono black, maybe yeah, mono like, red. Like
1: you had mentioned, everything in mono black is a two power creature. Birth of Miletus, like allows you to have an 0-4 that blocks uh, at least until you can get your board wipe off. And I mean, the only thing you have to watch out for are, like Vault. So like, it's real. It has a real game plan against like like the aggro decks whatever the red mid-range deck um which isn't good enough to grind into the i I would say chonky red is it's like a good deck but it's not it's not mid-rangey enough to outgrind this deck you know what i mean so like if you have something like this uh I, i think you're good against mono red mono black uh, maybe the only thing that you need to watch out for is like the big mono green ramp decks. But that's just because you're a mid-range deck at the end of the day, right? And they're just going to easily ramp past you. You do nothing. And then they're going to play Ulamog.
0: Yeah, that, that's, Ulamog is definitely something that's brutal. That might be a tough, uh, a tough matchup, but you're right. You do have a lot of good stuff for aggro and you can grind very well, I think, with a lot of the control decks. So if you dodge the ramp deck, uh, I think this deck has a lot of power and I, I think I would rank it below the other combo decks we have been talking about in terms of how many I think are going to show up at the players tour, but I do think that at least some players will probably bring some version of the the Foretold Starfield next to yeah, the
1: event. Yeah, and I mean, like if, if you can play Thoughtseize, it's probably at least a decent deck.
0: <laughs> yeah, that goes that goes a long ways <laughs> in the Pioneer format. So. Anyway, that is Pioneer stuff. Uh, players tour events starting this Friday, next two weekends, twitch.tv slash magic. So definitely check those out. And I think that means it is time to answer some fish mail. So no Richard. So I got to do my Richard impression uh, and get through <laughs> some of these fish mail. Uh, a reminder, if you'd like your fish mail question answered on a future podcast, send them to at MTD Goldfish on Twitter. Hashtag them. MTD fish mail so we can find them and we'd love to answer your questions. So, first up this week from Captain Wow 26, is there a way to purchase uh is there a way to purchase cards that have been signed by pro players or by artists? I looked around at many sites, no one seems to sell them. Thoughts? Um, I th- Krim, is there a way to actually do this? I know you can get your cards signed, like, at a Magic Fest by... uh, Most players will be happy to sign your cards. I know I am, and you are. I think most players are artists will be there to sign things. Is there a way to buy those cards, though, without going to events? Uh,
1: I I think the the best way that I've been able to do it is just, like, forums and or, like, Facebook groups. Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, just, like, whatever groups you might have, but, like, I don't think there's, like, an official way, right? Like, like, I don't know, signprocards.com. Like, I don't, I don't think like that exists. Right. Um, maybe like some websites will sell them like, but like they list them at like a lower price, like a heavily played or damaged or something like that.
0: Yeah. I think, I have seen them show up as, like, heavily played cards on sites, but I haven't seen, like, an actual site dedicated to them. I know something else uh, to consider is if there's certain people that you want signed cards of, uh maybe reach out to them like i know i have a po box uh i'm more than happy to sign cards for people so if you just send me the card that you want signed in a self addressed envelope i'll sign it and send it back to you and uh i i'm sure there's some other people out there that will do something similar if you ask them so if there's specific uh pros or artists that you want it might be worth sending them a message uh or an email or something and asking them the best way to do it yeah
1: yeah like definitely reaching out to the person personally is uh probably the best way
0: Next question from Rainin Dark Rider. Which card is better in standard Boros control shell? Hactos, Elspeth, or Elspeth Conquers Death?
1: Uh, wow. A Boros control shell. Um, geez. I would probably say I like Elspeth Conquers Death because I mean, I- I'm always the person that would rather have the answer than ask the questions when it comes to playing magic, right? So, Elspeth Conqueror's Death exiles a lot of the problematic permanents now. Uh, it even hits the three-mana Planeswalkers. It hits all the gods, and it exiles them, so you're done with it. And, and then it also, like it- with how popular Blue-White is and control decks, the second chapter where their non-creature spells cost two more is a real cost. And and then the third mode, you don't you get around counterspells because well you just bring it back and something back and put it into play. So I like that personally more than like than having another Hactos or an Elspeth.
0: Yeah, I I think that. From Theros Beyond Death cards, Hactos is maybe one of the cards that has been most disappointing to me, after thinking that it could be very strong. It hasn't actually been that impressive, in my opinion. On the other hand, Elspeth Conqueror's Death has been even better than I imagined. I think the card was maybe a little underrated during spoiler season, and Elspeth is just very good, but... Uh, I would cross Hectos off that list for sure. I think Elspeth is a good control card. Uh Boros might be a little awkward because it's not the best graveyard stocking color compared to some other shells. I mean, you don't have, like, cheap cantrips and stuff or, or that much self-mill. But, uh, but uh yeah, I would lean towards Elspeth Conqueror's Death as well, I think. Next question from N.Y. Grin Mattis. I remember playing two headed giant on Magic Duels both on PC and an iPhone without having any issues. So why wouldn't Arena be able to handle multiplayer
1: brawl? Um because I believe Duels Now now correct me if I'm wrong. I only played for like maybe 5 minutes when it when it, when it cuz I I want I bought it for the the promos. The w- that was Duels, right? Like it had a Garrick, a Liliana. Yes, okay. that was Duels. Okay, like yeah, like that was not the most real form of magic though. I don't I don't yes. remember how what the board state was like if there was a maximum board state size but like I think that would be the biggest thing and like with Brawl there's so many things going on like you can go insanely wide and I just can't imagine a mobile interface being able to handle something like 100 soldier tokens. I don't know or 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 like a game where imagine like where a uh, I don't know, like, Rich and I got paired against each other, and we played, and, like, there's, like, the... What's what's the, the green-white aura legendary creature where you create a 1-1 one, one every time you enchant something? Oh, uh, Sinoa, S- 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 Something like that. Sa- S- Saya, Yeah, S- like, Zayana. something like I'm pro- that. I'm sure I'm saying it wrong. Like, yeah, so like, I <laughs> we had this crazy wide board and, like, a bunch of enchantments uh, on one creature, right? I can't imagine a-, a mobile interface efficiently displaying any of that.
0: Yeah, I think... Could they make Arena support multiplayer? I'm sure you technically could... But I don't think it would be very enjoyable for the reasons that Krim are describing. And I, I think that uh, they want Arena to be, like, a sharp, quick game. And they don't want, like, oh, sure, we can add Brawl to it, but you're going to have to, I don't know, like, scroll through a bunch of screens on your phone to attack and stuff. So I think it's easier to just not have to deal with that because of the reasons that uh, Krim was talking about, just not being able to really support it. I do think, though, with the focus on Commander and stuff... I think that, and also the focus on building more and more magic games, I would not be surprised if there's like a multiplayer specific game that comes out at some point in the future. Uh, we keep seeing more and more magic games. I wouldn't be surprised to see like some sort of commander game that is designed specifically yep. to do
1: that. And, and, and like now, so like that is if we were to try to answer the mobile portion of it, if I believe if I'm reading the question right though, I think that maybe we, like I think the second half of the question is why wouldn't Arena be able to handle multiplayer on Brawl? Like just in general, like why can't or the Arena client handle a multiplayer? So and yeah. and I, I think that the reasoning behind why Arena hasn't been able to handle multiplayer yet is because first off, I think it still has to handle one on one, like one v one. Uh there's there's a lot of like there, there's still a lot of interface things i assume that are going to get weird there too just like how the the interface of the mobile like if uh like the mobile portion of it right like the interface of a mobile game for magic would be difficult i think they're trying to figure out how to make it so you have all these animations you have all these things going on in arena all these things popping up but now you got to do it with four people total right like like i i'm imagining a world like like the best way i could see it happening is like i know i i know i i know this is like a it's an ancient game uh many have forgotten about it it's called artifact um (laughs) where it's like that you would have instead of like like multiple lanes you could actually look over the like you could have like multiple like you could have a, a i guess it's a A scroll bar or an arrow on the top side of the screen that helps you look at all the boards. And then you could have like a button that lets you zoom out and look at all four of the boards, but they'd be all in like miniature form. Um, that would be the best way to look at the four boards or the way it would look. But I think it'd be hard to make all of that work, keeping track of, you know what I mean? Like of everything going on in four board states. But I'm not, I'm not the person designing that. And maybe, maybe it is possible, but it just might be kind of like, a little lower on the priority list. Who knows? Because maybe they are just trying to make sure they get the 1v1 portion right first.
0: Next question from E. Salvero. Hey, guys. Do you think that recurring nightmare or something similar would be busted for Modern? Yes. I was going to say no. I mean, it's three mana, and it's three mana to cast the next time. I think it would be busted in Pioneer, but I almost feel like like Modern is just or, too fast for recurring nightmare to really be relevant. I guess...
1: You're right. I'm more so thinking of it because I think that Recurring Nightmare is busted, but I realized everything in modern is busted. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, uh,
0: Recurring Nightmare I think is very busted. It's one of, I just, I love that card. It's one of my favorite cube cards and I play it in like vintage cube, but modern is just so busted and so fast. I wonder if it would be fast enough to keep up with all the other busted stuff.
1: Right. And that is the one thing that I, totally didn't calculate... I, for some odd reason, did not calculate. I forgot. Everything in modern is busted. So for context... I guess no, it is not too busted for modern
0: uh all right this one's for you Krim from seventy two j Fisher hey Krim how many lands did you run in your game nights deck I bet it was thirty just like I'm commander <laughs> I, ran 35. <laughs> I
1: ran thirty five I yeah, ran thirty five I had that's... a relatively low curve um because I was playing wizards so like okay. and I that, that's respectable. I think that like i I was talking to Josh and whatnot when he came into like came to deck building and whatnot and like yeah it was okay right like I mean. You, 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 don't want to ever go under 35 unless you've got like the, the games, the decks that I, I know that I've had like 30 lands were like CDH mana bases where I had like 132 mana rocks. And, and, and like what? Yeah. Those are the times where like I would say it's ever acceptable to go under 35. But other than that, I always stick to at least 35.
0: Last question for this week from, uh, Dio Gavik. I remember Seth saying that Abriel Grazer was bad. Now that Lanowar Elves is no longer in the standard format, did he change his mind? It ramps on turn one. It's ramp that doesn't net a sweepers. Sure, it's bad late game, but most cheap ramp spells are bad in the late game. So, have I changed my mind on Abriel Grazer? Sort of. <laughs> I think that Abriel Grazer... I still don't think it's a very good card, but I think it is a card that has greatly benefited from the Mulligan rule change. Because if you look at the problem with Abriel Grazer, Abriel Grazer is good when it is in your opening hand and you have at least three lands in your opening hand. Like three to four lands in your opening hand. Uh, Those are the hands where Abriel Grazer is good because you play it on turn one, you get an extra land drop, you accelerate, all that kind of stuff. The problem is, Abriel Grazer is really bad when you have it in your opening hand with just like two lands, let's say. And you're most often going to get those hands when you're mulliganing, because you just have less cards in absolute sense. The London Mulligan Rule allows you to uh, free roll Grazer when it's insane. When you have your awesome seven, you have Grazer, three lands, and Nissa, another ramp spell, uh, then that's great. And then when it's bad, when you mulligan and only have a couple lands, then you put it on the bottom of your deck, and hopefully never draw it because it's on the bottom of your deck. So I still think it's a second... Tier ramp spell compared to like Llanoware House, Birds of Paradise, that kind of stuff. But I do think it has gotten better thanks to, uh, the London Mulligan rule and how interactive. It blocks
1: with it. Thief of Sanity? That card is ridiculous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thief of Sanity actually is really good right now, I think, because, uh, the Simic decks don't really play much interaction. So if you can uh, get past like the Cavalier and Amaral Grazer, <laughs> you can get a lot of value off <laughs> of it. Just
1: remember, Seth, before before you say anything, a Boreal Grazer has reach, whereas God Oketra does not. <laughs> and it oh, God Eternal magic. Oketra does not. A Boreal Grazer does. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Think about that. that that's Everybody a, sleep on that one for a minute.
0: On on that note, uh, <laughs> that brings us to the end of our fish mail for this week. So get in your questions for next week send him to mtg goldfish or at mtg goldfish on twitter hashtag him mtg Fishmail, and i think that also brings us to the end of episode 261 of the mtg goldfish podcast so cram thanks for hanging out thanks to everyone for listening thanks to card conduit for supporting the show today uh and yeah we'll be back next week to talk about players tour results our first big pioneer tournaments and anything else that goes on in the world of magic so until then This is the crew signing out.